You are listening to the Shot Caller Podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at uh, Casey Diaz Author on Facebook, uh, The Shot Caller Book on Instagram, and on Twitter at The Shot Caller BK. That's at The Shot Caller BK. You can also find us at CaseyDiaz.net and send an email to info at CaseyDiaz.net. That's info at CaseyDiaz.net. We finished up episode one talking about your story um, and your childhood in the city of Los Angeles and the process you went through to join a gang and become a good gang member, which eventually led to you being the leader of the gang and then having the LAPD looking for you. So uh, we ended it with the quote, Casey on the lamb, because Casey was running and you couldn't go home because you knew they would look for you there. So... Let's let's pick up from there, Casey. So you were staying in abandoned apartment complexes, construction, construction sites. sites. Yeah, where did you go? Um, you know, I found um, some construction sites. Uh, uh, in one of those uh, few nights, I remember uh, sleeping on a stack of, uh, I think it was a, a stack of a, a four by eight pieces of wood yeah. um, that they were using for this, this construction site. Um, then I stayed at like a condo that was being in, uh, under construction. Um, it had electricity already on there and carpet, and I'd, you know, break in. Uh, yeah. But really, it, it, there was nothing to really to break in. I was breaking in, but not really, because mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was easy to get into. Yeah. And I'd sleep there and um, uh, at, a, in a, in a, at a building where uh, somebody had just uh, let it go and uh, found a room there. And then uh, one of my uh, friends, one of my homeboys, uh, their mom uh, was uh, uh, providing some shelter for me for a few days. Okay, okay. But they were out in force looking for you. Yeah. What, uh, where did they go? What, what exactly happened with the LAPD while they were looking for you? Well, um, I was walking with two other gang members of mine um, uh, down Normandy and uh, just taking a stroll. We went to uh, a new Chinese food uh, restaurant. Uh, just a little hole in the wall that had just opened up. And um, we went and ate there. Mm-hmm. And I, at this moment, I happened to have uh, two guns on me and um, a lot of uh, ammo in my pockets. Okay. And um, and you're how old? I'm 16. 16. Walking the streets of L.A., two guns, with two guns plenty of ammo. And plenty of ammo. And going to get Chinese food. And going to Chinese food. Were so your pants sagging at this point? No. I'm just guessing. <laughs> no. Okay. We, we didn't sag you our did, pants. This is the 80s. Yeah. yeah this so is, pants weren't sagging. No. Yet, right? Well, Hispanic well, gangs don't, don't do that. They don't do that. Yeah. But I figured with that much metal yeah, on would, your person. They would they would uh, create some kind of... No. You know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we finished eating at this Chinese restaurant, and then... Uh, we were waiting for another gang member who was uh, not from our gang, but uh, we had good ties with him. You know, uh, we had some good friendships with this particular gang, and um, we were waiting for one one of them to come in uh, and meet with me. Mm-hmm. And so he met with me, and the other two. And for some odd reason, I just said, um, "You know, we were going to have a party. I was supposed to leave. This is on a Friday night yeah. or a Friday evening." We were supposed to have a party, a going away party, because on Saturday I was leaving. Oh. I was going to jump state. Really? And I was actually going to Nevada, is where I went, uh, 
that was my choice mm-hmm. and kind of disappear type of deal. So um, he comes in, and for whatever strange reason, I hand him both guns. And I jokingly said to this guy, I said, uh, uh, don't get caught with them because they're hot. Uh, And I pointed to one in particular. Yeah. And I said, that's hot, meaning I had used it. And I said, "Uh, I'll I'll see you uh, later on tonight. And we're going to do a little send-off type of deal. Yeah, sure. And I gave him the ammo and I gave him the guns. So now I'm without anything. I'm not, uh, I don't have anything on me. And as a gang member, you feel naked. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to protect yourself yeah. with. Yeah. So we start walking up yeah. the hill, back up the hill. Right. And one of my guys notices a helicopter, but it was at a distance. Yeah. And he actually jokingly said, you know, uh, that's probably for you. Uh-huh. And, you know, we laughed. And I said, that's too far. You know, because it was circling. Yeah. But it was, I mean, you could see it, but it was at a distance. Yeah. And, um. Now, this is a funny story. Not a funny story, but uh, I found out just recently how good these cameras are on these, like, on these helicopters. Now, I don't know if uh, how good they were back then, yeah. but now... Uh, it's like night vision or something? or like... Well, they can zoom in into, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> your rights uh, and, oh, wow. and, and see what's in there. I mean, that's yeah. that's how good these cameras are. But I don't know how, if they were that good back then. I don't think so. But in any case, we're walking up the hill. And we make a right, and we we end up sitting on some steps. Okay. And there's a gate right behind me. And we were there in these steps for, I want to say maybe, I don't know, a couple minutes, man. It, it wasn't yeah. like a long time. Yeah. And we're just talking. We're just hanging out. I have a baseball hat uh, backwards. Yeah. And, um, and I'm sitting down. They're standing up. And, I mean, within seconds, man. That that block was the Rampart Station. I mean, it was a sea of, of unmarked cars and marked cars. Hmm. And I remember this uh, uh, lady detective, and she's holding up her her uh, shotgun. Yeah. And she cusses me out. Yeah. And says, you know, don't you know, bleep bleep move. Yeah. Or I'll shoot your, your head off or blow your head off, whatever she said. Yeah. And um, for a second, for a very short second, I thought, what, what what if I jump this fence right here? Oh, gosh. I thought about it just for a second, you know, oh, and, and um, you know, kind of like playing with her, is it a bluff? Uh, yeah. And I didn't take the chance. Yeah. I didn't do it. And uh, I remember they grabbed, uh, they gave instructions to the first guy, then the second guy. They kind of like spread us apart. Yeah. And then they had me in the center. And they, you know, they uh, cuffed the other two guys. Yeah. And they came to me. And it was very, um, um, very military type of way of walking towards me. Hmm. And um, they hogtied me. Yeah, and usually they only honk tie you if you're resisting arrest or you're spitting on them or you know whatever. You, I didn't resist. I just kind of you know followed the instructions, but they decided to honk tie me. Yeah, and then uh, they carried me like a suitcase, put me in the back of the vehicle. Oh wow! And uh, drove me to the cor- like we're in the mid block, not even in the middle of the block. I mean we're like not even the we're very close to the corner. But they put me in the cruiser and he UEs, 
and then puts me, he gets out of the car, opens the back door, and then grabs me like a suitcase and puts me on the corner. Oh. Just like, just, wow. you know, puts me down on my stomach. Yeah. And I noticed that there was lights, like, really, you know, just everything's, uh, they're just, and I'm going, what's this about? Why are they putting me in the corner? To yeah. The thing, you know? And uh, I was being ID'd is what was happening. So a teacher okay. that happened to be at the scene of the crime oh. remembered me. Back at the restaurant, yeah. And saw everything. Yeah. And decided to call 911 and said, hey, the guy that you're looking for oh. is on Normandy right now. Someone turned you in. Yeah. yeah and uh, she, she gave the full description yeah. of being the whole nine yards. And that's how I ended up getting arrested. Okay. Okay. So I went to the station and yeah, yeah, yeah. spent some hours but, there. But before we go on, um, you shared a story about uh, calling home. Uh, before you were captured, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I just want to make sure we capture <laughs> that story before we go too far. So, so what? <laughs> so, yeah, so you're still on the lam. You're still hiding. Yeah. And what'd you do? I I didn't right away call my my home uh, the the day of the incident. Yeah, you stayed. I waited a few days and stuff, and um, I call, wanted to ask for my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't there. So my dad answers, mm-hmm. and he cusses me out. So what happened was that uh, LAPD SWAT, on the very rare occasion that my dad actually went to work, uh, came back and, and sat down in his tidy whities mm-hmm. with his new p- newspaper, and he would always uh, read a, a Spanish newspaper called La Opinion. I'm not sure if they're still in business or not, but he's... Uh, you know, reading his newspaper, and he says the next thing he knows, uh, the door just flew right across the living room. Because <laughs> they don't ring the doorbell. They don't ring the, the doorbell, bro. Yeah, <laughs> They're not no. delivering pizza. <laughs> you know, uh, and yeah. they went in there, ransacked the place, hogtied him. Yeah. Um, and they're looking for evidence. They're looking for pictures, in which they got a lot of stuff. They got they had a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, shell casings. Yeah. Uh, they had all kinds of stuff uh, on me. Yeah. Okay. So he was not a happy camper. That uh, no, he was uh, quite probably upset. Probably wasn't aware of all of your activities, and yeah, I was just surprised. Okay. So um, at this point, you enter into. You don't go directly to prison. How does that work? Do they take you to L.A. County Jail? Do they take you to? No, they if, they're, t- if they're looking for you for homicide, I mean, yeah. you know, manslaughter, homicide, second degree murder, what, whatever that category is, where did they take you? They took me to the station first, okay, and then you're there for hours being interviewed, yeah, and you know, it's one detective after another, yeah, and they're just trying to wear you out is basically what asking they're doing. questions yeah. like you see on the Dateline or it's exactly like ID. that, yeah, okay. and um, I wasn't really giving any. You know, information. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. But they're asking and asking, and they're just their thing is we're gonna wear you out until you're sick and tired of being in this room, right? And this interrogation room, and you're gonna spill the beans. Unfortunately, did you I ever want to ask for an attorney or a public defender? Or I'm 16. How, how do you, you don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't okay. know about all the. Because that's that's what you learn after you watch a number of Dateline and yeah, hours. You know. Now, you know, now you know. they know. Yeah. Now because of these shows, you know, <laughs> hey, don't talk. Just ask for your attorney. Right. Yeah, and that kind of the police law enforcement hits a brick wall. 
at that point. Yeah. But I wasn't hip to that. Yeah. Um, so, it, but I wasn't talking anyway, so it was the last last cause of just having yeah. me in this tank. Okay. But then I got transferred to uh, East Lake uh, Juvenile Hall, hmm. and I was placed in what's called the boys uh, the boys side, mm-hmm. and this is where uh, all the older boys are at, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in there for violent crimes, uh, you know, from robbery. Had you been there and, before? Oh yeah, many times. Okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah I was familiar with that. So they Frequent placed me. Flyer mileage. Definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, he had so. an extended stay. <laughs> extended stay. <laughs> you yeah. know. But I was there, and um, they put me in a unit called K&L. Okay. Um, and uh, so you have EF, G&H, K&L. Uh, 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 and these are like the, like, if you're in any one of these, you're probably in there for some big stuff. Okay. Um, so I was in there, and... So literally the letters K and L? That's where I was at, yeah. What it's alphabetical. It? Uh, it's know. just alphabetical? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, there's... Like the kids in there with you know G H was gangster house and oh they'd make up a name they make yeah. a name for right that. Okay. yeah M and N yeah, M&N. yeah. Uh, but so I went in there and um, to me it was like it was fun man like because uh, you knew you were gonna end up you know throwing down with some uh, another uh, rival gang member mm-hmm. uh, in my case uh, there was uh, just a, a few of us from my gang in there yeah. Um, and uh, I, I remember when, uh, in one of the, this, these incidents, I, I was in, uh, it was in the morning. We had just woke up, and a guy from MS had just came in there. Okay. And, MS-13. Uh, MS-13, yeah. Now, so, for those listening, they were in your vicinity, and you would often fight them, but oh, they were yeah. still a younger gang at the time. They were a very were, young gang. Yeah, so they weren't what they are today. No. Yeah. This, this was like their beginning stage. Yeah. But okay. they were already putting a, a, a footprint yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from day one. Yeah. Uh, but they were not the size. You, you were in the days of like the, the Crips and the Bloods. Like they were a big deal in the late 80s, right? Yeah. They, 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 I mean, that was like the movie Colors and yeah. some of the, I mean, wasn't that around the same time? It, uh, it was around. I think Colors came out a little bit afterwards. Okay. But um, that's what I remember. Yeah. You know? yeah. So... so uh, I ended up uh, fighting a, a dude from MS, and they put me in the hole yeah. in there. And I remember um, I walk into the hole, and uh, the guy from MS is in the back of me, and we're both handcuffed. And as I'm walking into the hole, it, it, used, it was called ICU. And everybody <laughs> made a joke about that. You know, you go into the box, I see you later type of deal. You ain't coming okay. out of there for a while. Yeah. And so as soon as I walk in, there was a guy named Frankie from the Drifters. And he had been, he was in there for murder. Um, and he sees me and he's like, Casey, what's up? And it was like a hangout in the hole. Gosh. You know, yeah. what, are you, what are you here for? And, you know, we exchanged and stuff like that. And he's like, well, uh, did they tell you how long you're going to stay here? I said, I don't know, man. I just rolled up a, a dude from MS and there was some other rival gang members and, you know, in the hole. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we was, it's like a party, man. It was, yeah. uh, it was yeah. a fight club. It was a real fight club with, oh, wow. with yeah. all these boys, you know. But yeah. they were all in there for serious uh, uh, crimes. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was... Uh, now, you mentioned that they had a, a ranking system by the time you were processed and you went before the judge. I mean, that, that took months, right? Yeah, that took months. So my trial was about eight months. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, they're doing some inventory on you, right? And uh, This is after... Uh, uh, this is... The, the scoring system doesn't happen until state prison in, okay. in, in uh, Delano State Prison. Okay. So okay. there's no ranking That's system before pretty, that. Yeah. So talk to us about that process leading up to your, your trial. So 
at this moment in time, uh, California starts looking into the, the violence in L.A. at that time in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It, it was a bloodbath in, yeah. in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, it, it, Los Angeles was called, uh, South Central was called uh, the home of the body bank. Gosh. That was that was the, its nickname. Yeah. You know, so um, we, we uh, so California starts getting fed up with, um, you know, so many young kids right. going in there for murder and, they decide, well, we got to change some some laws here, and we got to test this thing out. How young can we um, try these these teens as adults? Is it thirteen years old? Is it fourteen? So they decide that sixteen is a good number. So I fell into that 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 place right there, and they decide, you know, let's send this guy to to state prison. But before we do that. Um, it's because it was in its early stage. Uh, what if you were tried as an adult, you would get sent to um, the California Youth Authority or CYA. Okay. And so you'd get there, and and they kind of like check you out and see if you're fit for for rehab. Hmm. CYA can hold you up until 25, to hmm. you're 25 years old. Wow. Um, and then you would be transferred. What would happen is these guys would be transferred into after the 25. Uh, to be reprocessed in the county jail uh, and then sent to state prison for the remainder of the sentences. So I got there, and when I got there, there was another homeboy of mine uh, that was in there for a double murder. Mm. And we ran into each other. They put us in the same unit, Mm. and this is in uh, Norwalk. And he's in there for a 90-day op, and I'm in there for a 90-day op. Uh, So they're trying to see if, you know, we have a chance at rehabilitation. Okay. Well, uh, another rival gang member uh, walks in there. <laughs> that answer is going to be a no. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um, I can see it coming. <laughs> and I remember we were in the yeah. day room. Uh, we're in the day room, and, and this guy walks in, and we know that he's from 18. Um, and, a uh, rival gang. A rival gang. Yeah. And uh, Sol says to me, he says, uh, that, that was his victim. He says, what are you doing? What do you want to do with him? I said, well, let's, you know, let's kill him. And wow. without hesitation, he says, well, let's do it then. Oh, wow. How do you want to do it? I said, oh, you know, and we plan it. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, uh, I'll strangle him and then you beat him. Yeah. Until he's gone. Yeah. And we'll just, you know, wow. we'll get rid of him that way. That, that quickly, huh? That quickly. So we yeah. waited um, a few hours until we were all in the day room. And we intentionally sat right behind him. And in this unit, uh, it was called um, Sutter. The unit was called Sutter. So this is where the older kids are at. Mm. And um, he's there, uh, and I have a shoelace. And I throw it over his neck, uh. and I pull him. Oh. And then Solo starts to do his thing. Yeah. Um, and they they tend to break those fights pretty quickly in, in this these places. But I had wrapped it so tight around my hands that uh, I'm on my stomach. Oh. Pulling. Oh. So the more that these guards were trying to pull me away from, oh, the more damage. The more damage was happening to yeah. him. So they got they were able to get Solo away from him. Yeah. But by the time they got to me, uh, the guy's uh, he's almost near his death. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the only reason that I I let go is because this one um, uh, guard yeah. put his knee. Right, uh, right on my on my jaw, yeah. right where the the curve is at by the ear, mm-hmm. and he put all his weight on there, and I got uh, lockjaw. Oh, 
Oh. I couldn't close my, my mouth, oh, and wow. that freaked me out. That's the only reason I let go. Oh. And uh, but, but, I mean, I'm on my stomach, and I'm pulling, and he's under me. And to be clear, uh, we're not glorifying no. this behavior. I mean, you're just giving specifics on what had happened and the point yeah. you had come to. That you just didn't care about life. I, I, you, I you didn't. didn't care about anyone. And uh, and when you serve in a gang, serve in a gang. When you're in a gang, everything's territorial, right? Yeah. It's like so. Um, and also, I've seen pictures of you when you were younger, and you were skinny, and yeah, you, know, <laughs> you weren't that big. No. You know. Um, so the fact that you would get away with all these things is 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 amazing. It tells also the type of drive that you had inside yeah. of you to win whatever you were, whatever yeah. you were doing. Um, okay, so bad things are happening yeah. all throughout. So you're maintaining your reputation though yeah. as a shot caller, essentially. Like you know what you're gonna yeah own, you're gonna own the room wherever you are, and um, so how do you get closer to your trial? What so that's after my trial. That's after that's, your after, trial. That's after my trial. Okay. Okay. So that incident, uh, both Solo and I, yeah, uh, CYA said no. These guys know, are bad dudes. Yeah. It's you're no fit. longer a child. You're no, no. longer a kid. You know what yet. you're doing. So you went to the adult yeah, so unit after that. We go and get processed through the men's central jail. I don't know where he goes. Okay. But they, they separate, separate us. Yeah. And um, so I end up in the men's central, and then from there. Uh, you're going through a process system uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, okay, okay. So uh, now you know you're going to be... Do you get retried as an adult, or, or how does this work? No, so you're already tried. You're, yeah. So I've already been to uh, Wayside. I've already been to all that stuff. Yeah. You know, But this is now... We're, we're catching a chain, and now we're going to state prison. So, all right, explain to us what catching a chain means. You're being transferred from the central uh, jail yeah. uh, in L.A. and then going to state prison. So they're putting you on a bus. They're putting you on a bus. In shackles. In shackles. Yeah, the white, and, the white bus we all see on the highway. <laughs> yeah. With the guys in the orange jumpsuits or whatever color your yeah. state uses. Yeah. yeah, and so you're going and... Um, right. And then we uh, end up at Delano. And okay. so there's two receptions uh, for for uh, state prison. Yeah. So there's Wasco and then there's receptions. That's an interesting word. That's what they're called. We're, we're here to receive you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two receptions. Is there a receptionist at the reception? There's quite a few. There's quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. Well armed receptionists. Very <laughs> highly yeah. armed and uh, yeah. Yeah. So I get to Delano and. Um, Delano, what's it? What part of California? In Kern, uh, Kern County. Kern County. So Bakersfield. Yeah. yeah. I mean, out in the boonies. Out in the boonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight middle of the desert. Yeah, okay. Way out there. And um, so I get there, and and then there is when where they start the processing system of, you know. Okay. So the state of California has a scoring system from yeah. 1 to 100. Okay. And here they're, they're evaluating you. There's gang coordinators. They're looking at your file, what you're in there for, uh, crimes that were committed inside while you were on trial or, you know, from day one. Yeah. And for me, I already had hit the gang module. I had already been to 2400, which is like a maximum uh, security at Wayside. So all these things, they're... You had a rap sheet. Yeah, they're they're looking at that yeah. and they're determining how much security th- does this guy need. Yeah. And so from 1 to 100, I end up scoring 97. Oh, wow. So that means uh, a high security level. 
That means the shoe program. 97. It was like three yeah. things you didn't do? Uh, I guess. Apparently, uh, <laughs> I mean, apparently, okay. uh, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I've never met somebody that scored 100. You've never stolen gum from a, a convenience store? Or <laughs> yeah, something? Okay. I guess. I All don't right. know. So you're way up there. I'm way up there. Yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, that's bad territory. That's solitary yeah. right yeah. away. Okay. So then they know when they f- get you to your final destination exactly yeah. where you need to go within that destination. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I get to the to New Folsom. Okay. And that's so, where I'm going to be spending right. my sentence. Well, I'm sorry. I keep <laughs> wanting to explain everything. But we all know Folsom Prison from Johnny Cash and yeah. the famous songs. The song uh, outside of Sacramento near Folsom Lake um, or Lake Folsom. I, mm-hmm. I'd have to look at a map to figure that out. But uh, you're saying New Folsom. Yeah. How is that different? So... The old Folsom, where Johnny Cash uh, yeah. did time, sang, is on Repressor Road. Okay. And uh, so it's at the bottom. And it looks like a castle. It's, if you look it up. It, yeah, we've it, seen that picture. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you keep on going up. Okay. And you'll end up on the same road up the hill is uh, New Folsom. Why did they make a new one? Well, it's called Sacramento State Prison is what it's really called. Okay. The inmates are the ones that decided... New Folsom has a better better sound. Okay. Uh, and so the old Folsom became a one and two yard uh, minimum security levels. Mm. And New Folsom housed all, it's all a, a four yard and the shoe. So, uh, or ad seg. A four yard, a level four yard? A level four yard. That's the highest high... level of security. Okay. So um, like a maximum security. It's a maximum security. But it's yeah. not federal. No, it's state. It's state, yeah. It's state. Okay. Um, and so they house you there for 23 hours of the day in a cell, uh, and you're out for one of those hours uh, because it's state-required. Now, is that true of everyone in New Folsom, or mm-hmm. do they have different levels within? So you have uh, the A, the B, and the C yard. Okay. And A yard is what's called uh, an SNY yard. Uh, 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 so it's a sensitive needs yard. Um, sensitive it's, needs. It's protective custody. Is what okay. It is. Okay. And then you have the B yard and the C yard. Well, they're sensitive because there's people looking for these guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay. uh, it's. Yeah. You know what we we used to call it a junkyard. Okay. Yeah. You, know, you it, the reason why we call it that is because there's child molesters. Oh. Rapists. Oh, right. Um, dropouts. Okay. Gang dropouts and yeah. uh, former police officers. Any they would end up there. Okay. And the B yard and the C yard were good yards. Uh, those were main lines. Uh, and then you have uh, shoe, which was the hole. That's uh, solitary confinement. So because of my points, I went straight to the shoe. Hmm. And uh, that's where my uh, sentence starts. And I'm told that I'm going to be serving all my time in there. Wow. In the hole. Okay. Okay. So uh, you're, you had a, an interesting story about what the warden said when you and your your new recruits all entered the prison. Tell us a little bit about his speech. You know, it's it's just like in the movies. Yeah. A uh, word comes out uh, and gives a, a pretty interesting speech. And uh, remember, uh, I, you know, it hits you that you're, this is a real place now. Like yeah. this is not, you're in a real place. Um, you got the, the high walls, uh, the guards up there in towers and on catwalks with mini 14s. Yeah. Um, and there's a sign that says no warning shots, all that, 
you know, they and what does that what does that mean? No warning. I mean, I think I know, but they're not going to shoot at the air. Yeah, they're not going to waste. They're going to shoot. They're shooting. They're shooting. Yeah, at you. Okay. Um, and he comes out and he gives a little speech, and the speech is pretty much very, it's very colorful. You know, welcome to New Folsom State Prison. You know, some of you are going to uh, die here for one of two reasons. Uh, poss- possibly die for one of two reasons. One, because you're stupid and you stepped on the wrong, you know, over lines. Yeah. And Or you're going to die in here because you have a life sentence. Yeah. And this is the end of the road for you. Yeah. Um, and if nobody claims your body, um, New Folsom has a cemetery in the back. Um, in which you can be buried at wow. if your body is not claimed. Yeah. Um, I don't know how true that was. I, you know, I'm just hearing this guy. Yeah. Uh, you know. And um, so the the speech is very more. It's more um, hardcore. I'm, I think I'm kind of making it a little more gentle than than what it really sure, was. Sure. He probably gives it once a month or every oh, other yeah. week. I mean, uh, he's giving it all the time. Yeah, but all he's, the time. He's laying down the law. He's, he's laying down the law. We're not, we're not shooting warning shots. Yeah. You, some of you guys are probably going to die here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you're shuffled off to your cage, your yeah. solitary unit. And we're at a point in the show where I just want to encourage the listeners to hang in there because God is about to show up in a, in a mighty way to a guy who really wasn't even looking for him. Uh, and that's kind of the, the crux of what we're getting at here. Um, but in order to do that, you need to know where he was when this happened. So we're setting the stage here in a sense. Um, so let's let's talk about what it's like to live in solitary confinement. I mean, we can read statistics yeah. about how difficult it is on the human brain and, and these guys. And, you know, there's two sides to the, to the debate. There is. Right. Number one, these guys deserve to be locked up, okay? They've, they've done things, and yeah. it's been proven. So that's the one side. The other yeah. side is it is, you know, cruel punishment on, on the human mind yeah. to have. Anyway, so all that being said, tell us what it was actually like for you or what you noticed going in. Um, well, at, at that time, I remember um, you just get a pair of boxers, okay. uh, T-shirt, um, roll of toilet paper, um, and a blanket. That's it. You know, sheet. That is all you have. There's no uh, entertainment whatsoever. There's no TV. And I know some of you have. You're, you're watching uh, Lock Up and The Holland Yards, and yeah, right. And they show uh, a solitary confinement cell, and the guy has a cellmate. They have a TV in there. Yeah. They have groceries inside the cell. I mean. It, <laughs> That's not solitary confinement to me. Uh, for us at that time, it was, yeah, you're, there was no two-man cells. Uh, you were in there by yourself, and you were going to be in there for the rest of your sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, in there, they, they... And what was your sentence? What was the length of time they gave you? 12 years, 8 months. 12 years, 8 months. Yeah. Okay. Right. And um, so, um, I'm there. Um, I didn't care. I didn't... Um, right. So, you're still in that attitude I'm of, still in I'm that. the man, I don't care, don't talk to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about life. I don't care about this place. Um, you're not going to, you know, break me in here. It's all good. And um, there was a gentleman in the cell next to me. And um, he had been in there for uh, 10 years when I got there. Okay. So he's been sitting in that same exact cell for 10 years in solitary. Wow. And we would have conversation. You know, it was light conversation. 
Um, how, how do you guys talk to one another if you can't see each other, right? You can still hear. You, you can still hear. hear. So would you, like, get up to the door and speak yeah, out the... Uh, yeah, uh, what through the, a vent, through vent? the toilet, okay. uh, you know, but you could hear each other. Okay. And... Um, <clears throat> did you but, have a window? I mean, could you see... No windows. No windows at all. There was, you, you did not have any clue whether it was day or night. Oh, gosh. Um, and <clears throat> the only reason you knew what time it was is because you had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And at that time, when I was there, they still have, had uh, three hots, meaning three hot meals. Right. <clears throat> so... Um, that's how we knew that. How, yeah. how would they deliver them? Like through the door? Through a slot. Under the door? <clears throat> no, there's a slot uh, right okay. in the midway. Yeah. And they open it. And, of course, it was a five-course meal and champagne, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, chocolate-dipped uh, strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't want to miss out on those days. No, I bet. Those yeah, are on Fridays. Around. Yeah, yeah. Right. And movie night, <laughs> Movie too, night. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I, I, I was okay with that. So you could talk to the guys in the adjoining cells. Were they very talkative? You said the guy barely talked. Some, some were, yeah. some were not. Uh, depends on who you had. Yeah. But we had light conversations. Okay. You know, we talked. All right. And um, and one of the things that would happen in there with some of these guys is that they they would lose their mind. Um, they start hallucinating. Uh, they would start to uh, you know, you know, take a leak on themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah crap on themselves uh, it, it, it became that you know really hard really hard for them and these are guys and, and, and here's the thing that these weren't like weak dudes like yeah no you would think if they're in know, there yeah these were like solid dudes at, at one time you know big dudes yeah you know everybody's in shape in there um and the next thing you knew like we all knew when somebody would was going to lose it because either they started yelling uh, they started uh, talking stuff that wasn't making sense, and you just knew that that person had lost it. That was it. That was wow. that was the tipping point. What, what would the guards do if somebody started yelling? Nothing. You just you know they'll te- they'll check it out, um, but yeah, you're this. There's no other place to put you in. In, in other words, you're on your own. That's your. Yeah. That's the end. Yeah. Um, and another thing that would happen is we all knew when somebody had lost it and wanted to commit suicide. Yeah, right. There's no way to hang yourself in there. Um, so these guys would go from the one end of the cell yeah. and uh, head first into yeah. prison metal. Just run straight into it. Straight, in, straight into it, neck first, you know, head first, hoping to snap the neck and, and right. end it. Yeah. So, that, you know, th- th- that kind of thing happened, and, and, you know, you just let them do their thing, and yeah. you know, nobody tried to stop it or anything so, like that. Just a quick side question, like in the movie <clears throat> Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Good evening, Clarice. You know. That's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Anthony Hopkins says there's no big glass window. No. Uh, where you can have a conversation <laughs> no. with a serial killer. No? no? Was, really? Because it looked like that. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty uh, okay, all right. creative. All right, back to your world. Um, all right. So, and they let you out one hour a day? One hour a day. And what would you do during that hour? You walk down a hallway pretty much and uh, into... But they would shackle you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and you, you, to, you okay. were in restraints. Yeah. And then you'd, they'd walk you uh, over to a pretty much a bigger cell Yeah, is what it was. You had a, a rim, yeah. uh, a basketball, a handball. Yeah. Uh, and that was it, a pull-up bar. And yeah. you kind of just paced back and forth in a bigger area. 
and okay. throw the ball out, you know. Okay. Um, so visitors, and, and we can kind of get to uh, the one visitor that you did have, but in general, were you allowed visitors? No, were you allowed, not, not in the shoe. Were you allowed letters, uh, phone calls? Letters, settings, yes. Packages? Letters were allowed, but we weren't allowed to handle them. Um, okay. Uh they would pro- they were projected ab- upon your wall, and you read them on, on your wall. Um, How would they project something on your wall? On a, with a, a projector, put your letter on there, roll it up, and then put it on your what's called a wicket, a window. On your um, okay. It's a skinny window. Uh huh. Um, and then just put it on there, and you can see your mail on there. Okay. Wow. And so you can your read your letter on the wall. Yeah. All right. And so one day. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, a diminutive small lady with a big heart uh, comes to do prison ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, let's let's learn about her. What was her name? Frances Proctor. Okay. This little lady. Yeah. Uh, older lady. Okay. And uh, this was a pr- prison ministry that came in there once a month on the last Thursday of the month. Okay. And um, their whole sole purpose was, I guess, to talk to people about Jesus, and, you know, and evangelize. Yeah. And uh, this particular moment, you know, and you know, you know all the movements in this cell. Okay. All, all the noises, uh, when doors open, when doors close. You know what guard is on duty just by his footsteps. You're going by sound a lot. Hmm. You know, you're going a lot by sound. Uh, by the way they talk, you know, hmm. it, it's you become very familiar. There's nothing else to do but study everybody in there. And so this lady uh, uh, has a conversation outside of my cell. Yeah. Uh, outside of my cell gate, uh, my, my gate. And, and it's uh, a conversation that she's having with a guard. And she asks a question. She says, uh, uh, is there someone in that cell there? And my cell was the last cell. And was it was it typical in general for prison ministry people to come to the solitary? Uh, that's, they were only allowed once a month, I think. That, okay. That's why, you know. Yeah. This that's why they came. Okay. Um because we weren't allowed any type of right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, connection. And um so I remember hearing that, but I didn't think it was about me at this time. And the guard kind of discourages her and says, uh, yeah, you don't want nothing to do with that. And she continues to be very persistent. She says, Well, you know, I I like to approach this this gate, his cell. Uh because Jesus came for everybody. Hmm. And she's discouraged quite a bit of times, you know. Um, but finally the guard gives in and, and says, you know, kind of like um, uh, I could almost imagine him kind of shrugging his shoulders going, you know, whatever, you know, right. yeah. do your thing. Well, I'm letting you know mm-hmm. that's a lost cause type of deal. And then he says, that's Diaz in there. That's how I knew. And I was the only Diaz on that, on that, on that block. Um, so she approaches my cell, and the first thing that she says to me, or asks, asks me, she says, uh, how you doing? <laughs> and I sarcastically said, you know, I couldn't be better. <laughs> and I got a little laughter out of her, and yeah. she says, that was a stupid question. <laughs> I said, it's all good, you know, don't worry about it. And then she says, well, you know, we're a church, and we're a prison ministry, and we're here to help you. We'd love to uh, share the gospel with you, type of thing. And 
And I didn't want nothing to do with that. Yeah. First of all, I wasn't interested, wasn't looking for God, didn't even know if he even exists. And I wasn't even thinking about it. You know, I wasn't thinking about him. I wasn't thinking about God, period. And religion in general, I yeah. just, it wasn't in my radar. Um, and so I kind of just, you know, okay, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. keep going thing, right? <laughs> and she says to me, I'm going to put you in my hit list, in my prayer hit list. She says, uh, I'm going to pray for you, and Jesus is going to use you. Yeah. That was the first time she told me, and, and I'm thinking, this lady's nuts, man. Yeah. What is she talking? Does she even know where she's at? Like, What are you talking about? This And who is this Jesus that's going to use me? Yeah. You know, and I didn't pay much mind to it. I I really didn't. And But she asked me, she says, um, is it okay if I stop uh, by yourself when we come here um, to pray for you? I said, you pray all you want. <laughs> you can, uh, I don't mind you stopping by, but um, I'm letting you know right now I'm not. I'm not interested at all. And you know, she went her way and stuff. The interesting thing is that she showed up just like she said she would every time to myself. Yeah. From yeah. that that point out. And what, what what time span was this covering? It's like two to four minutes, man. It wasn't like. Well, what I mean. Oh, oh. Her consistency in coming was over several weeks. Several a year, months, six months. A year and six, six months. months. So she, she is consistently came. She's interceding all this time to see you. And I didn't know and, what intercession was at right, that time. So she's going away and praying. Yes. And God is listening. And God is listening to her prayer. Yeah. And but um, you think you think no? Nah, I'm just being nice to this lady and whatever. It's not, I'm not even thinking that. Not I'm just, that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in my own little world at this yeah, point. Right, right. Uh, but she comes faithfully yeah. uh, once a month and stops in my cell. Right. You know, I'm still praying for you. Yeah. You know, Jesus is going to use you. She would always leave with that. Like she made it a point that she wasn't leaving <laughs> until she told me that. Yeah. And again, you know, just brushed it off. And... Uh, Later on is when I had a uh, pretty neat encounter. Yeah, uh, yeah. And myself. So walk us through that day. What What's a normal day like, and how was this one different? A normal day for me was uh, calisthenics, you know, uh, some jumping jacks, okay. burpees, um, push-ups, um, just running in place. Okay. Uh, walking, pacing back and forth. Yeah. As many times as I can until I got tired. You also uh, said you were counting the dots in the ceiling. Yeah, we, we were you doing were that. Polishing the floors. Yeah, I mean, you were trying to keep busy and active. Yeah. yeah. And while some guys well, are, I going, wasn't polishing floors in solitary. Oh, in solitary. Okay, is, that was somewhere else. Yeah, that's okay. In, in, yeah. I just knew you were Mister uh, Mister Clean. Mister Clean. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> um, okay. So this day, though. What, yeah. What so this day, I'm. Mean, it's you know like a normal day, I think, uh, or at least I'm. That's what I think it's going to be. Yeah. And um, so I'm laying down on my bunk, on my slab, and, and I have my hands uh, behind my, my the back of my head, just laying down, just looking on the wall. And all of a sudden, I start seeing this, this scene of me, of my whole life, as far as I could remember, uh, being pay, played back. Okay. From, like, candy that I stole at Seven Eleven. Um, 
I remember stealing uh, American flags from one of my teacher's rooms. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff. And then, you know. So this isn't like something you're seeing in your head. You're saying that there is a movie playing on the wall. It's being played back. Yeah. And it's all in order. In like order. I know it's in order. Okay. And then it would kind of stop, and I would see a guy carrying a cross and a crowd right around him. And this guy, he's looking at me. I know who that whoever's carrying this cross is looking at me. I can't see their face. I, I can't really, you know, I, I can't. Yeah. can't make the face. But I know whoever's carrying this cross is looking at me. And all these people around him are very highly upset. They don't like this guy. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Um, and then it would stop, and it would go back to scenes in my life. Again, uh, times when I, uh, you know, started stealing cars and uh, the crimes got a little bit more aggressive. Um, home invasions. They weren't called home invasions back then. They were just robberies. Um, so I, I start seeing uh, again, and it was all in order. All the whole timeline uh, timeline was just very orderly, and then you go back again to to this guy carrying the cross. Now here's the the crazy part, because to me, um, the guy next door to me, cell next door, yeah. This guy loses it from one day to the other. I mean, I remember having a regular conversation with him one minute, and the next minute, the next day. He, his, he's fried, and he starts thinking that he's hallucinating, thinking that he has ducks in his cell. Wow. And at first I thought, hey, he's joking around, but we don't, we're not supposed to be joking around in this area. We, we don't. You know, there's a, it's a serious environment. But then I knew that he had lost it. He had completely lost it. So here I'm watching a movie, and I'm thinking, <laughs> it's my turn. That's yeah. really what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, I'm, this is not, it can't be real. But you, but you weren't. On drugs, you oh, weren't feeling crazy. Exactly. Were you distressed? Were you anxious? No, uh, okay. I wasn't any of those things. I Did wasn't. You get a dear John letter. No, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have any of that. Yeah. It's a normal day. I'm not high. I'm not nothing. Yeah. But I'm, I know what I'm seeing, and I see the uh, uh, to the point where I see the uh, nails going into his hands and his feet. And I see the uh, cross being raised wow. all the way. I still don't understand this. I'm clueless to what I'm watching. But then, um, so my birth name is Darwin. That's my birth name. And I decided to change my name when I was very young. I think I was like eight or nine, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't like Darwin. I just didn't, you know, I didn't know what it meant or, you know, I didn't know anything about Charles Darwin or anything like that. I just didn't like my name. And I remember with the kids from the neighborhood, we were playing baseball one day and and I gathered all of them up. And I remember I, I said this out loud. I said, uh, from now on, you're going to call me Casey. And everybody kind of looked at each other like, what? You know, that's a little odd. I said, you're just going to call me Casey. And that name stuck with me. Why'd you pick Casey? I don't know. I think I, I don't really remember why I grabbed that name to be to tell you to be honest with. You. Yeah. Maybe I heard it because of I like baseball and Casey at bat type of deal. I don't know. Yeah. But I chose that name. Yeah. And that name stuck with me. <laughs> I mean, until now. 
Yeah. You know, so here's this guy on this on this on this cross. And as as the way you can hear me right now, audibly, is the same way I could hear him say this. He said, Darwin, I did this for you. And very audibly I hear the breath of somebody dying. Like the last breath. And I can hear it very loud. I was familiar with hearing that sound. And this is why when I explain my testimony to people is God always comes to that person when they're ready to repent. He comes to them in a way they that they understand him. Eye level. Wow. And that's what made it real for me. Yeah. yeah. I needed to hear that. And I remember when I heard that, I had never prayed before. I had never, nobody had ever said, hey, when you pray, this is how you pray, A, B, and C. Never prayed before. But I end up, you know, on the middle of the cell, weeping. I mean, uncontrollably weeping. And I knew that this was like God. I, I, it, there was this, I don't know how to explain it, man, but in my heart, in in the very deepest part of me, I knew that this was God. Yeah. And I didn't know what the word repent meant. I didn't know what confessing your sin was. None of that. But in the middle of this room, in the, the cell, I start to say, God, I'm sorry for, you know, robbing this person, stabbing this person, uh, shooting at this person. Yeah. And, and and I was just being raw with God. Yeah. Again, no, no one had ever taught me how to pray. I didn't even know that that's what I was doing. Yeah. But I remember that as I would say these things, there was this immense peace that would take place in my in that cell in my heart, and and it just felt like like these weights coming off type of deal. And I know that's it's almost like a cliche. Yeah, you know, when we repent and people oh, say it, but yeah, that's the oh, truth. That's the truth. Yeah, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah, like you're carrying you, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You're carrying so many. Yeah, it's like carrying twenty backpacks unnecessarily. When there's God telling you put them down, I took care of that, and that's what it felt like. I just felt so free. Yeah. And how do you feel free in solitary? You're not supposed to feel free. Right. <laughs> yeah. The irony. That's not the yeah. place to feel free. But I felt free, and I knew that. And I another thing that I how I explain my my testimony is that at that very point I knew that it wasn't that I had done something wrong; it was more than that. It's that I had sinned before a holy God. Wow! That you even felt that I at that felt point? that that yeah. I had sinned against God. Somehow there there was this understanding of that, and. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I was there for, I don't know how long, man, to, to be honest with you. I, I don't know how long. Yeah. But I was there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then a few days. No Bible. There nobody was no, else there. Nothing. Just you there was, on a cement floor. That's it. And, and God. And, yeah. and a lot of weeping. The Holy Spirit working on you. Yeah. yeah. And it was like a, a spiritual surgery taking place in that cell. Yeah, that's awesome. And then... um. Uh, a few days later is when I hear his, his voice again. And now I know his voice. 
Yeah. Because I've heard it. See, that's what I love about hanging out with you is that you you are so confident in knowing his voice. It, you can't deny it. Like yeah. once you hear his voice, you just know, and it's biblical. You you know. You will know. Yeah. You right. will know. I know. You know. Yeah. I make it sound like it's only you're special, but you, John ten. Yeah. He tells us. You yeah. He tells us. Right. He tells us. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and those I didn't know John ten. I didn't. No, you didn't know anything. None. Yeah, I know. I got you. Yeah. But I know that this is his voice again. Yeah. Yeah. Same voice. Right. And he says, "You're going to ask for the chaplain. You're going to knock on your gate three times." A guard's going to come to you, and you're going to ask for the chaplain. I didn't know what a chaplain was. Yeah. So I walked over to my gate. I knocked three times on it. And lo and behold, it just so happened that a guard's taking count. And I'm knocking. He's there. Wow. And he asked me, he says, what do you, what do you need? I said, I'm supposed to talk to him. I'm supposed to ask for the chaplain. And kind of looked at me like puzzled, you know, and he says, uh, are you, you know, he used a colorful word, kind of like pulling your leg, but a little yeah, bit more yeah, color- colorful you. than that. Sure. And I said, man, I just know that I'm supposed to ask you for that. And he asked me again, he says, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. And he says, you know, give me a minute. So he goes back and he gives me the world's smallest pencil. Which is about maybe an inch, you know, right. and it's just basically the lead yeah. is what he's giving me, and a piece of paper to fill out. I fill it out. I give it to him, and uh, then I, I I'm escorted to a room later on in that week, and I'm in front of this chaplain. Yeah. And he's asking me, you know, how can I help? And I said, well, let me start with telling you what happened. Yeah. In myself. You are listening to the Shot Caller podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at uh, Casey Diaz Author on Facebook, uh, The Shot Caller Book on Instagram, and on Twitter at The Shot Caller BK. That's at The Shot Caller BK. You can also find us at CaseyDiaz.net and send an email to info at kcds.net. That's info at kcds.net.